a word of prayer before we get started. Lord, we're so thankful for your goodness to us. Thank you, Lord, for all the ways in which you bless us and work in our lives. And Lord, we just ask that you would speak to us now, Lord. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. And every need that's present, we just speak life and rebuke the spirit of death in Jesus' name. We speak healing and wholeness. Lord, we speak clarity of mind, peace to our souls, peace to our minds. In the name of Jesus, we take authority over the atmosphere of this room. We take authority over the atmosphere of this block, this city block and this city, Lord. And we say, Lord, rain down your anointing, rain down your revival, rain down your healing. We need you, Lord, so desperately. Lord, help us to be yielded to you. Totally yielded to you, totally yielded to what you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen. All righty. Um, the papers that you have before you today, um, I placed some resources in there for you. Um, one of the pages, all of them are back and front, printed on back and front. And so you'll notice that one of the pages has scriptures on it for putting on and putting off. Okay? And so um, I want to describe, before I get into the message, how you would use that page. Uh, do I have one? That's the question. All right, so on one side you see put on, and there's scriptures right beside it, and then you'll see some scriptures, and then the word after the scriptures. Though the scriptures that are in the middle and then the words are to the right of them, those scriptures go to the words on the right. Okay, so I don't want you to be confused when you're using that page. And, okay. So let's get started. So first, uh, I'm not in your notes yet. I'll let you know when I get into your notes, okay? So I wrote some things up to keep myself from being long-winded. A lot of times I'll type up stuff so that I don't just keep going on and on. <laughs> but uh, I wanted to mention four heroes of the Bible who feared they weren't good enough, you know? Because oftentimes that's a fear of ours, even though the Lord has told us that we are fully equipped for what he wants us to do. Somehow we still think that we're not good enough, enough or equipped um, strong enough. It's all a lie. We have everything we need. We have Jesus Christ himself living in us, through us. And so all we're doing is yielding to him and saying, Jesus, what is it you want me to do? Right? I love the way Andrew Womack, he's, he says that he'll sometimes look at himself and go, Jesus, <laughs> like he's speaking to Jesus within him. I just love that. 
And so having a revelation that you're never without him. He's always with you. He's the one who is willing to do of his good pleasure within us. So we're always fully equipped. Uh, Moses in the Bible, he was called to be the one to release the Israelites from bondage. But yet Moses said that he couldn't speak, and that he stuttered. Yet God used someone who thought of themselves as a stutterer to be the deliverer for his people. And so many times, you know, back in the day, I knew that the Lord had called me uh, to sing and to speak and so forth in my youth. And I, believe it or not, (laughs) I was, you know, really shy. We're talking painfully shy, where I couldn't look people in the eye and my voice would quiver when I would try to sing, my voice would really quiver terribly. My hand would shake like this. My knees would knock together. It was horrible. It was so bad that some teenage guys, they were about 19, you know, a 20-year-old or so forth. My knees were shaking so bad that they pointed to my knees and laughed. And I thought, Lord, I I know you called me but I just can't seem to get rid of this fear. And yet God had equipped me. I knew that he had this call on my life to sing and so forth, but yet I felt like I was in such bondage. And so um, I remember the choir director had asked me to sing a song, and I was 16 years old. I started leading worship at age 13, Every time I would sit down, my daddy would say, you need to sing with more boldness. You need to sing louder. And you need." To. And I thought, I can never do anything right. You know, because he, he was trying to help me. But I felt like, oh, man, daddy, I'm trying my best. But um, so at 16, the choir director gave me a song called, I'm So Glad I'm Free in Christ Today. And... The song was really beautiful, but I said to the Lord, there's no way I can sing that song because I would be lying and everyone would be able to see that I'm lying because my hand is shaking, my knees are quivering, and I'm singing, I'm so glad I'm free in Christ today. (laughs) So I said to Jesus, I said, Lord, the only way I'm going to sing that song is if you really set me free. And so on that Sunday, when I got up to sing that song, something happened, y'all. The Holy Spirit supernaturally touched me. My voice did not quiver. My hand didn't shake. My knees didn't shake. And I began to walk across the stage singing, I'm so glad I'm free. I'm so glad I'm free. I'm so glad I'm free in Christ today. Hallelujah. I could sing that song in truth that I am free in Jesus Christ. And I want you all to have that same revelation. I am free in Jesus Christ. You know, I no longer live, but it is Christ who lives within me. 
And with him, through him, greater is he who is in us than he who is in this world. Hallelujah. I declare in the name of Jesus right now a revelation to come upon you that greater is he who is in you than he who is in this world. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And so the spies of Israel, they said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. And they said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. So they were small in their own eyes. Isn't that something? Sometimes people can look at you and see a greatness, but you're small in your own eyes. And so they said, we saw the Nephilim there, and we seem like grasshoppers in our eyes, and we look the same to them. I'm going to take this staple out for myself real quick. So all except for two of them, Caleb and Joshua, these two spies attempted to sway the rest of the camp to proceed and enter the land, knowing God would not leave their sides. This story shows us that timid leaders need to trust in God's plan. And so then there was also Gideon. Uh, Go in strength. You have and uh, you have the ability to save Israel out of Midian's hand. And Gideon responded, saying, Pardon me, my Lord, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Bible tells us not to put God to the test. So although God seems to allow this, he has Gideon to make up for it later. And how does he do this? He does it by calling Gideon's army to attack tens of thousands of Midianites with just 300 men. And so Gideon's story shows us that God can use anyone, even the least of these, to accomplish great things. We also learn that we can do nothing apart from God. Gideon tried to use thousands of soldiers as a hedge of protection, and God said, no, you need to rely on me not on the strength of men. And so now that I've brought out the fact that oftentimes people that God uses see themselves as being not enough, but yet he has equipped them, I want to go to the very beginning in Genesis. And so in Genesis, the first question found in the Bible came from Satan. The second question came from God. And these two questions reveal a vast difference in the characters of these two speakers. And so here's Satan's question, and it can be found in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. It reads, Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden? Satan's question to the woman revealed his nature, his nature to deceive. All we need to know about Satan is this, his nature is to deceive and that Jesus 
calls him the father of lies. And in contrast, we're going to look at uh, Genesis chapter 3, verse 9, and it reads, Then the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? After Adam and Eve ate fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they recognized they were naked. At the very least, we see here that Adam and Eve have realized a new and unknown knowledge of nakedness and shame. They encountered something that they've never known, separation from God because of sin. Satan had successfully deceived them into thinking that God was withholding something desirable from them. Now, in reality, their disobedience to God's command had caused them to experience the fruit and wage of sin, death, and all that comes in its wake, things such as grief, sadness, regret, heartbreak, sickness, lack, fear, inferiority, insecurity, etc. Upon sinning, Adam and Eve's first act was to try to cover themselves in Genesis 3 and 7. Their actions to cover themselves reveal what we, what we all do when we try to cover our sin. So now I want to take a look at uh, the nature of Satan's question versus God's question. And so first, before I look at that, though, here's the thing that the enemy is trying to deceive us with. Who told you you were naked? That's what our message is about today. Who told you you were naked? Who told you that you don't have what you need? Who tells you that you aren't healed? Who tells you that you are weak? Who told you you were weak? Who told you that you were inferior? Who told you that you don't have all of your needs met? Who told you you were naked? And so the nature of God's question reveals his love, goodness, and care for his children. His questions were, where are you? And who told you that you were naked? See, God, in asking those questions, is saying, I still want to be in relationship with you. Where are you? Who told you you were naked? You know? So God's never-changing desire to restore relationship and intimacy with us is, happens every time we choose to stray away from him because of sin. He's still calling to us, where are you? Who told you you were naked? He, because he's already, through Jesus, given us provision. We saw it in the garden where the enemy came and asked a question that tried to say that God had not given them everything that they needed and that they needed to eat, eat something in order to have more knowledge. But in reality, the enemy was trying to dismantle the fact that they had already been given everything. So Satan asked his question to manipulate and deceive Eve into doubting God's goodness. And Satan is still deceiving humanity today in the same way by seducing man with the same question. Is God good? And can he be trusted to always only give us good things? Does God withhold good things from his people? Does God withhold good things from me? So, you see, Satan, he's still using the same tactics. He tries to deceive us into coming into agreement with him through deception. 
If Satan can deceive us into thinking that we are still under his power, under the power of guilt and condemnation of sin, and living as if our identity is somehow affected by the nature of sin, then he can get us to live beneath what is already ours, righteousness, freedom from sin and death. So in 2 Corinthians 2, 8 and 9, I'm going to read some scriptures, about four of them, that talk about how we are clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We're not naked. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 says, For we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, that we through his poverty might become rich. And Matthew 20 and 28, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Romans 15 and 3, for even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. He took on sin. He bore our sins so that we could have his righteousness. And then Jesus has taken all of our insults. You can no longer be condemned. So now that everything has been done in order for us to live in freedom, forever victorious, what time is it now? It's time for us to put old things down and get dressed because we are not naked. That is a lie from the enemy that we must never believe again. We are clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So Galatians 3 and 27 says, For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. And in that same verse, Galatians 3 and 27, in the New and Living Translation, I had to read that too, says, And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. Amen. Isaiah 61 and 10 says, I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will exult in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has wrapped me with a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with a garland and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. Revelation 19 and 8 says, It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. And then in Job 29 and 14, he had a revelation of God's righteousness. He said, I put on righteousness and it clothed me. My, my justice was like a robe and a turban. So now that we know that we are clothed and that we are not naked and that we have been given everything pertaining to life and godliness, how are we to go about getting dressed? Now, isn't it wonderful that God hasn't left anything for us to guess? He's shown us how to get dressed and how we can, um, find, we can find that process in Colossians chapter 3. So right there before you, you can see we're, you're with me now on your sheets, Colossians chapter 3. We're going to talk about how you can get dressed, all right? So, therefore, if you've been raised up with Messiah, keep seeking the things above where Messiah is, sitting at the right hand of God. Focus 
your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Messiah in God. When Messiah, who is your life, he's your life. When he who is your life is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. So here is the list of the things that God does not want you to be clothed in. Um, we've, been, uh, we've taken these things off through Jesus Christ. So let's look at it. Therefore, we're to put to death what is earthly in you. Put to death what is earthly in you. And here are the things, sexual immorality, impurity, lust. See, we're going to put on some things, right? But first, he's telling us we got to take off some stuff. Here's the stuff we're taking off through the spirit. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed. For that is idolatry. Because of such things, God's wrath is coming upon the sons of disobedience. At one time, you also walked in these ways when you used to live in these ways. They're not your ways anymore. Now, everybody say, but now. You got to say it with an attitude. But now. There you go. <laughs> but now set them all aside. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and foul language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another. After all, you have taken off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self that is being renewed in knowledge, okay? So the new self is being renewed. The Holy Spirit is giving you knowledge concerning your new nature, and now the Holy Spirit, through his word, is going to tell you what you need to put on, okay? So uh, the new self that is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of the one who created him, here there is no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, savage, slave and free, but Messiah is all in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, all right, now, come on, let's say it together. As the dearly loved, clothe yourselves. Say, clothe yourselves. In tender compassion, let's clothe ourselves in tender compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You know, on the inside, we can say, girl, you better get dressed. Man, you better get dressed with some tender kindness and love and mercy and gentleness. Sometimes you got to uh, make it very natural in order to get the concept, right, the precept that is being taught here because sometimes we make it so high and lofty that we're not quite comprehending what is being said you know what Gregory clothe yourself in kindness because that's what Jesus clothes himself in you know Mabel clothe yourself in gentleness so you know what I began to see with my divine imagination I began to see this glistening vest on you you know by the spirit of gentleness, does it mean that 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 is um, how gentleness no, looks? No, but that's just the way the prophetic mind, the imagination of God's spirit works, is that we begin to see the clothing of his spirit upon a person, a mantle, you know, a bestowing of God's goodness upon that person. And so I see you clothed in the Lord's gentleness. And you know what? That is so true. 
I feel like, you know, when I, I'd pick the right person in the room. Because, <laughs> Mabel, you are clothed in such gentleness. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. All right, so let's go back to clothe yourselves in tender compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. If anyone has a grievance against another, just as the Lord pardoned you, so also you must pardon others. But above all these things, this is what we're going to do. Let's say it together. Put on love. Do you know we have to put on love? You know, it's a decision. It's a choice. I am going to put on some love. Now, my love coat is a bit heavy because I choose to put on love all the time. You know, but God wants us to see the tangibility. It's real. What we are talking about here, they're not just lofty words. These things have life and tangibility, I am putting on love. Hallelujah. I'm putting on, I have gentleness, tangible, tangible gentleness within me that I can give. You know, here, Gregory, I'm going to give you some gentleness. You know, we have to decide when, some, when someone tries to uh, do something to cause envy or jealousy, or whatever, I'm going to choose to put on some love. Here, take a little love. (laughs) Praise you, Jesus. That's a good way of seeing it, that, you know, I always have the uh, reservoir that is unending. Because Jesus is in me, I have an unending reservoir of love, gentleness, and kindness that I can release to the body to share a mutual thing that we all have in common. So I'm going to start at put on love again. So put on love, which is the bond of perfect harmony. Let the shalom or the peace of Messiah Rule in your hearts. Do you know you have tangible shalom, peace within your hearts? Hallelujah. And you know what? Uh, I've shared this before, but the word shalom in the original language uh, means destroyer of chaos. You have the tangible spirit of shalom, peace within you that destroys chaos. And I can release peace and say, I am not going to take on chaos or anything that is going to disrupt what God has inside of me. This peace that I release is going to destroy the chaos around me. I can control the atmosphere around me through Jesus Christ because he and me, when he walks in, the peace of God, man, bam, all around me, bam destroying chaos, right? Praise you, Jesus. All right. So, verse 15. Let the shalom of Messiah rule in your hearts. To this shalom you were surely called in one body. Also, be thankful. So we can't um, lose 
the sight of how important thankfulness is. So let the word of Messiah dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another with all wisdom in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Yeshua, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so the rest of that um, chapter is good too, but we're going to skip it. Okay. And we're going to go to your never again list, okay? You see your never again list? These are scriptures that are things you can clothe yourself with. And so I hope you have an ink pen handy so you can fill this in. This was uh, first done by Don Gossett, okay? And uh, he was a gentleman. I had seen him on Sid Roth and so forth. And I just love this list. I've used it for many years to give to people. And I quote it a lot. And it's very much in my spirit to not do any of these things. And I wanted to share it with you all if you, you, know, didn't, uh, if you weren't aware of it. So number one. Um, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit, Proverbs 18 and 21. So never again will I confess or focus on I can't, okay? Because the word says, I can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthens me. I have an always I can spirit inside of me. I can do all things through Jesus Christ. Never again am I going to confess that I can't. Never again will I confess or focus on fear because the word of God says, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and a sound mind. Second Timothy 1 and 7. So don't confess fear ever again. Never again will I confess or focus on doubt and a lack of faith because the word says, God has dealt to each one every believer, a measure of faith, Romans 12 and 3. Never again will I confess or focus on weakness, because the word says, the Lord is the strength of my life, and the people that know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. You see how you're clothing yourselves with all of these things? I'm not weak. I'm strong. Never again will I confess that I'm weak. Never again will I confess or focus on the power of Satan in my life. Because the word says, greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. 1 John 4 and 4. Never again will I confess or focus on defeat. Because the word says, God always causes me to triumph in Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 2 and 14. Never again will I confess or focus on a lack of wisdom. Because the word says, Christ Jesus has become for me wisdom from God. 1 Corinthians 1 and 30. And if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. James 1 and 5. Never again will I confess or focus on sickness, because the word says, with his stripes I was healed. 
1 Peter 2 and 24, and Jesus himself took my infirmities and bore my sickness, Matthew 8 and 17. Never again will I confess or focus on bondage because the word says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, 2 Corinthians 3 and 17. Never again will I confess or focus on worries and frustration because the word says, I am casting all my cares upon him who cares for me. God has an answer for every single situation, doesn't he? Never again will I confess or focus on condemnation because the word says there is now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8 and 1. Never again will I confess or focus on loneliness because the word says, Jesus said, I am with you always, even till the end of the age forever, Matthew 28 and 20, and I will never leave you nor forsake you, Hebrews 13 and 5. Never again will I confess or focus on curses, curses or bad luck because the word says, Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law, being made a curse for me that the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles, that's me, through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith, Galatians 3, 13 through 14. Never again will I confess or focus on discontent because the word says I have learned in whatever state or circumstance I'm in to be content, Philippians 4 and 11. Never again will I confess or focus on unworthiness because the word says he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him, 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. Never again will I confess or focus on confusion because the word says God is not the author of confusion but of peace 1 Corinthians 14 and 33 and we have received not the spirit of the world but the spirit who is from God that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God 1 Corinthians 2 and 12. Never again will I confess or focus on the dom I'm sorry domination of sin over my life because the word says the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death Romans 8 and 2 never again will I confess or focus on insecurity because the word says when you lie down you will not be afraid yes you will lie down and your sleep will be sweet do not be afraid of sudden terror nor of trouble from the wicked when it comes for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught Proverbs 3 24 through 26 you know a lot of people need this scripture right now yes never again will I confess or focus on failure because the word says in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us Romans 8 and 37. Never again will I confess or focus on chaos and frustration because the word says you will keep him in perfect peace 
whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Isaiah 26 and 3. Never again will I confess or focus on fear of the future. Because the word says, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 10. And then last, never again will I confess or focus on troubles because the word says, in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. John 16 and 33. So if the enemy comes to you and asks you the question, is God good? Does God intend good for me? You can take him to what you are clothed in. Don't take these clothes off. Take all the other dead, old-natured things off and put on Christ. Put on righteousness. Put on the armor of God. Even in Ephesians 6, the scripture that talks about the armor of God, it says, put on these things. God is always telling us to put on righteousness, be clothed, be strong, put on. And so I declare to you now in the name of Jesus an anointing and revelation to put on and to take off. Put it on. Put on Jesus Christ. Put on righteousness. Put on strength. Take on wholeness. Take on peace because the devil's a liar and God is always good. Amen.